Um, so welcome everyone. Um, very strange subject matter, the subject matter of sacrifice. Um, do we have to, or is it that we need to sacrifice something in order to get what we want? I mean, is this an old and passe subject matter, really? You know, is the, the idea of sacrifice, is that kind of passe? Is it sort of, is it being done to death? Or is it that actually there's different perspectives? There's different perspectives in the East and there's different perspectives in the West about what sacrifice is. So I'm just kind of, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what, what do we have here? We've got the concept of sacrifice, which I think is interesting. And then we also have this idea that we, to sacrifice something to get what we want means that actually we want something and we can quantify what we want and we're willing to do something in order to get that. Um, does that make sense, Stanford? Yeah, it was interesting because today when, when I was at work, we were just kind of talking a little bit about sacrifice. And one one of my colleagues actually echoing what you just asked, like, is it not quite outdated um, idea with sacrifice that we don't like offer or kill animals to a god or anything like that anymore? But then as we're thinking within our team, there are people who are observing Ramadan at the moment, who's, which is ongoing and due to soon, I think, uh, due to end soon, I think. Uh, one of another colleagues in our team um, observed Lent recently and just broke the fast off, I think, giving up meat recently. And actually, we do all sorts of different things that seems to sacrifice one thing or another in order to achieve a goal in the hopes of having something, uh, achieving something else. So I don't know. I, I think I think it's still quite a current concept. Maybe we just look at it in a slightly different way. So you mean you think that the terminology that we use, like the terminology of sacrifice and the idea of sacrifice, is a is a kind of like a passe terminology because we don't sacrifice ourselves anymore, do we? Or do we? Because the idea of self sacrifice, we do sacrifice ourselves in order to get recognition, don't we? Because actually what we're doing when we sacrifice ourselves is we're looking for something back. We're looking for some sort of recognition. But this is a kind of, for me, a very Western perspective. What I think is quite interesting is if we look at the Eastern perspective, the Eastern perspective, the idea of sacrifice kind of emerged sort of, you know, four and a half thousand years BC. You know, it's, it's a 6,000 year old concept where you actually get this idea of sacrifice being at the heart of religious practices and, and beliefs. So you've got... Sacrifice, which is done in a couple of ways, sacrifice, which is done in a, a domestic environment, um, in a single household. Then you also have sort of public ideas of sacrifice as well, with numerous priests involved and sort of various different rituals that are happening. But the question here is, why is it so different from the Western perspective of sacrifice? And for me, this is the interesting idea is that the sacrifice is, in effect, an understanding and an offering. It's the recognition that what's happening is that what you have, your material body, your material being, the material that constructs you, which is in, even includes your mind and the subtlest aspect of you is part of matter. And what's happening is that to understand the consciousness that resides within you and operates through your matter, the way to begin to understand it and to see it is the concept of sacrifice so it's the highest thing that you can do to touch the most spiritual part of you is to understand this ultimate sacrifice 
So all of the different rituals and all the different practices is are, are set up in this way. It's it's not to deprive oneself of something. It's not to not not for deprive ourselves or not to deprive other people. And we're not doing something for ourselves and we're not doing it for others. You're only doing it for this consciousness or this idea of maybe even God or a higher power. So you are creating different aspects of sacrifice in order to give what is needed to other people through your existence. Does this make any sense? I think I might have to ask a few more questions because mm. well, I'm trying to get to un- um, get to understanding of what you mean by the word sacrifice when you use it in the Eastern context. Yeah. Because obviously I'm Chinese. I, I am from the Eastern part of the world, but mm. I think my education all through the way, I'm more Westernized in a lot of ways. So I'm more used to sacrifice as a concept of perhaps you have to spend a lot of effort. It, most likely you are removing something that you really enjoy or that part of joy in order to get to something else. Sometimes the effect we want is from uh, for ourselves. Oh. Sometimes actually want the effect is on other people. But ultimately, mm-hmm. you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier on, which is you want a part of recognition. You want the effects mm-hmm. to be recognized. That is quite a personal thing. The reason why I was thinking was because, as I was saying, I, I had this conversation with my colleagues who was helping me come up with preparing this topic today. Well, one of them asked, um, does it actually still count as a sacrifice if there's non-effort involved? So we're saying, for example, when we're revising for exam, um, me and him still have the routine of actually going out to meet people to socialize and things like that. Whilst when we meet other people, they were like, oh, you're sacrificing your time to actually go, um, uh, your time from revision to come and meet me. I feel really guilty. I feel bad. But from our point of view, it's like, well, actually socializing is part of what we enjoy so i'm not sure from our point of view something called sacrificing because we're not really removing something that we enjoy whilst if we actually don't go out and socialize and meet other people in some way actually i see that as a sacrifice in order to get a better exam result so that's kind of the concept that i'm more used to yeah but this is a western perspective both of those are Western perspectives. The Eastern perspective is, is based on the fact that whether you stay in or whether you go out, the fact that you are actually doing something is done as a sacrifice for something higher. So it means that what's happening is that, you, you know, you can stay in and you can revise and you can do all these other bits and pieces. Great, you can do that. But what's happening is the consciousness is operating through you. This higher thing is operating through you. And whether you... You know, when you act, what's happening is that you're absolutely act. This thing is this absolute thing is acting through you. Whereas if what's happening is you think, oh, I've got to give up this, and I'm I'm going here at such a sacrifice. This you're just you're you're operating just in a Western perspective on these two physical planes of transaction between one sort of like oh identity and another oh identity. Does, does do you see what I mean? Am so, I sorry? For, I'm sorry for my really poor understanding communication no. with regard to this because this is a actually it's um it's quite a difficult subject matter to get your head around because in in yoga terms it's it's kind of like this is back to yoga plus 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 so it means that your understanding and your attachment to an understanding of your attachment and desire that operates through you which is an important part of you are utilized for something higher. So what I'm understanding so far is basically living itself can be called sacrifice in Eastern perspective because you mm. are 
using the matter part of ourselves, the materialistic part of ourselves to experience uh, the consciousness part of ourselves. But yeah. what, what I'm trying to understand is if everything we do is that process, why is it called sacrifice? What, where, where did that terminology or where did that concept come from? It's a very interesting question because the concept of sacrifice is the matter believes that it's actually in charge. Our physical minds think it's in charge. We think that we have choices between these two different things. Shall I go out and party with my friends or shall I stay in and do this? And actually, if I don't do that, that's a sacrifice. And this is a sacrifice. But actually, a sacrifice is to understand the, the attachments that we have and how we move from one place or into another place. It's why rituals were created in order to demonstrate this process of how we move from one thing to another thing. So, and it's down to meditative practices that show you the existence of how you are through this actual experience and transition. So if we look at the evolution of yoga, sacrifice is actually at the heart of this overall thing. It sounds very, very strange, but and I, I don't know how I'm going to articulate this clearly, but if what we're looking at is we're looking at a process of us going on a journey and evolving ourselves, we start at a particular point with a notion about how we think we are, how we fit in the world, and the relationship we have with ourselves, other people, and something higher. And then we sort of come to realize that what we're looking at is as we go through and do different practices is we come to realize that we are different from who we think we are. And these practices are sacrifices because initially we did things for ourselves. We did it for our own benefit or we did it because actually we want recognition from someone else or we want that actually someone else to know and to see us. But here it's completely different. Because it doesn't matter whether we're doing it for ourselves. It doesn't matter if we're doing it for someone else. This is actually irrelevant. What is more relevant is that something is operating through us and we're doing it for a higher principle. It, it's, it's actually quite a high teaching of yoga. It's quite difficult because we don't find this very much today because it means that actually you've worked on yourself from the outset otherwise it becomes quite a fanatical imbalance and quite a lot of excuses with regard to the activities that you've done or that you're doing so is the sacrifice the part that has changed that you make the realization that actually who who is in charge is not the materialistic part of you is actually more the consciousness beyond i don't know if that's the right description or not Correct, because if you think about it, we can have sacrifice in a material world. So we've got the idea of sacrifice within nature, the idea of different symbolisms associated with sacrifice and rituals associated with sacrifice. So if you think about um, old traditions, did you ever say prayers before you ate or do any rituals with regard to food in your tradition? Yeah. Okay, so again, you're appreciating where this food has come from, how that food is there. You rather you're offering that food up to something higher as you prepare it. So you're embodying that food, which will form part of you. And so there's a whole series of rituals that form part of this yagna, this kind of sacrifice that's happening. 
so interesting. As you know, I just came back from Japan. I'm reading a book about Japanese um, food and culture evolution recently, and they actually describe exactly that. Because back in the days, they actually thought of food as, um, especially meat product food, as something called unclean. So actually, that's why there's a lot of the Japanese diets. If you look at really traditional cooking, it's very plant-based. It's very fish-based because it's um, think of the concept of meat-based actually unclean. But part of the ritual about food that they have is actually to make an offering to God, which is why they have these very elaborate banquet almost, but it's on their own one serving um, tray. So they will serve these food to the God, but at the same time, they consume the same thing as well. So as you said, there's almost like a um similarity between h- how you offer these things to a high being but also also at the same time you are consuming these as well so that's very interesting to find and i'm sure that's no co- coincidence that's a very eastern belief as well well i think we find this in every single tradition i think we have it in our tradition as well i think why we think that sacrifice is an outdated thing because when we look at sacrifice we think of ourselves as either killing something in a material world um or you know, in a way, a sense of losing something in a in a material world or a physical world in order to gain something else. And actually, I think it's a change in the dynamic of the relationship that we're looking to look at. So with regard to a sacrifice around fire or a sacrifice with regard to our interaction, it's it's our perspective that we're looking at with regard to how we see our existence and the actions that we're doing. And I think that the outcome or what we want from that becomes crucially important as well. And I think that what we want from it has become less spiritual nowadays. It's become less sort of, you know, we're not doing an action for something higher. It's not us that is operating, it's something higher that's operating through us. Now we're doing it for us, you know? I'm coming this to do to do this with you for me. Or am I doing it for something more? So I think there's... it's a delicate area because in one way, if I say that I'm doing this for something higher, does it excuse my behavior? You know, does it mean that I can go on a rant about something or be unreasonable about something? Or does it mean that actually what's happened is I worked on myself so that I really do understand that deep inside, I know that the state of who I am and how I am. And then I can also begin to understand that Actually, the concept of sacrifice is one where there is this relationship that's happening at a very, very deep level within me. And rather than it being me, it is a different me that is operating through me. I don't know if that makes any more sense. I'm trying to stumble around to actually tell you this idea. And it and, it, and it's quite difficult because it, it's, you know, it, it's basically... 18 chapters of the Bhagavad Gita talks about this, you know, so it's to synthesize it into a very short amount of time is, is difficult. Thank you for the questions and keep asking. No, I think, I think what's very relevant is actually when I was doing my research of sacrifice in the concept of medicine, actually what a lot of passage or article that comes up seems to be the sacrifice we make as the doctors or as healthcare professionals. And what you said about the relationship with ourselves and relationship with other people actually really echoes that. Because in a West, in a very Western concept that I found, um, it keeps saying it's okay to do as much as we can as medical professions or as doctors and nurses, as long as we don't sacrifice ourselves. 
because actually there's a lot of costs, like physical costs that is associated with being a medical professional, like the financial um, money that we have to pay in for study, for exam, for continued development, the time, the effort, um, the loose of sleep, the you know change in lifestyle um, patterns, not eating while you're working, so on and so forth. But actually what you're talking about is a very different concept, I feel, is actually are we doing something that we meant to? Are we operating for a high conscious realm? Are we do you get enjoyment out of this um process if we are operating through the consciousness? That would be what I'm wondering. What you're doing there, that you've hit the nail on the head completely because actually what you're saying there is exactly this is that on the one side of it, you're kind of like, I can sit there and I can go, you know, I've got this huge loan. I'm I'm working in this way, you know. I, I'm I'm my shifts are awful, you know. The people are a nightmare. I, it, I'm struggling to do this. I, all of it becomes this kind of narrative. But actually, within each of us, there is something that we're here to do. You know, we're good at one thing. You're you're a doctor and a psychiatrist. Is it what holds you in your life? You know, it's it's what holds you in your life. And, and what's happening is that as that thing holds you in your life, you are operating through you. And whether you are a doctor or you are a nurse or whether you are working in any other environment, is it that the narrative that you've got around that or is it that actually what's happening is that you're being held in your life and you're doing what you, you know, what holds you. Does this make sense? I, I just, I'm echoing what you're saying because this is this concept in yoga of, of Dharma. It, it, it's what stops us from falling in our lives. It's, it's what, you know, holds us in all the different relationships that we've got. Because let me take a, your concept just a touch further. Could we say that actually that a mother or a wife manifests the quality of sacrifice and service to others in bringing them up and you know i mean is this a really kind of like really difficult topic because what's happening is that it, there is this idea of sacrifice that's being presented there in, in exactly the same way or is it that actually it's the duty which is a really really heavy heavy topic or is it that actually it's something that provides them you know, a person absolutely, am I making sense? It's, it's quite a, a difficult area here. I think what I may need some translation is what you mean by being held if you are operating in the sense that, hmm. you know, you're doing something you meant to. Because I'm trying to maybe, because being held is a slightly different concept. Once again, I think it may be, especially in the Western you know, part of me, where it will be, are you being, am I feeling supported? Am I being held by the system or by held by someone else, but actually being the concept of being held by uh, what my consciousness is, you know, or what we're supposed to be doing in life. I'm trying to kind of imagine in my head, what will be the feeling that I'll get from that sense? Is it joy? Is it bliss? Is it happiness? Is it satisfaction? Is it pride? Like what, 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 what will be an equivalent translation that I can give? According to the subject matter, all of the above. So it won't just be that you'll have one outcome. It means that actually it'll just be the experience of all of those things. What that means by being held is to realize that actually there will be joy, there will be pain. Okay, there will be all of those different things. 
but that's this is part of the nature of actually living and having and experiencing life and so it, it rather than it being like if I'm held. I have this. I have stability. Actually, I'll have both. I have stability and instability. Both of them come together. But actually, the experience of that, actually, from with the right perspective and the right feeling, can be incredible. Yeah. I think I have a personal ex, um, example of this, and I think I've shared this with you before, because I mentioned more than once before, I changed career within medicine. I was previously an obst obstetrician gynecologist trainee. Hmm. One of the reasons why I have changed the uh, specialty is, well, it's all hard work with working in medicine or any job itself is hard work. But actually, I've noticed there's a difference between me and some of my colleagues. Some of my colleagues, when they deliver a baby well, or when they deal with a very difficult situation, a surgical situation, 3 a.m. in the morning, once they have the baby delivered or once they assisted the birth of the baby or, you know, assisted the woman and get back into good health, there's a real sense of joy and happiness and satisfaction, like kind of the state that we just mentioned earlier on, the, the sense of being held that I can see through. I remember reflecting onto myself and my experience. I usually often feel relieved rather than <laughs> rather than uh, the sense of joy. It's like, okay, the job is done. The crisis averted. Oh, I can now relax. So I think that's why in my experience, there's a slight difference in in the sense of being held from your perspective. And I think now I, how you explained it helped me to understand it a little bit more why I had to change what I had to do back then. Because I think, yes, I, I could have done the job. I, I am rather good at my job at the time as well, but I don't think I completely quite got the sense of being held back then. So in one way, we've got this, which is an idea of sacrifice with belief, being held with belief. In another way, what we're looking at is we're looking at actually when we don't believe in ourselves, we believe that we have to actually sacrifice something in order to get an aspect of who we are. Or we feel that we're losing something of who we are because we have to sacrifice. And then we resent that. So there's... I, it, it, it's a almost in a way that sacrifice when we're looking at what we want so desire and also what we don't want it, it, it's almost it's a, it's a protection mechanism so that we don't become dangerous as human beings it's interesting that now you're introducing the concept of resentments and also desire on the other side of being held can I ask why? Because it's very, we're born, when we're born, we have a desire to be born. Yeah, we desire is part, we want to eat, we want to do different things. There's a, there's a desire that is part of the nature of all human beings. And desire is actually good only tips over into an area because desire helps us to make a good choice with regard to things. I want to expand. I want to evolve. I want to become better as a human being. I want to do good things in this world. I want to change the world. I want to help people who are suffering. This is desire. Where does it go wrong? You know, and, and if you think about anger is that Anger is is almost the 
when we're fighting the fight itself. You know, there's a conflict within this and you love something else. You know, I don't want to be doing the job that I'm doing. It's not holding me. It's not giving me what I want. It's not doing this. It's not doing that. You know, I have to sacrifice every myself every single day to go into this. It, it's There's an anger. There's a fight of a fight that's within. And with this, there is also the idea of confusion within ourselves. You know, quite often people have doubt. They've got confusion within all of this. So actually what we're looking at is within the action and the activity, it's the intention behind it that I think becomes very important. And the influence of that intention behind the action that we're coming to do. And if we begin to look at this a bit more, the intention behind and the influence of that on the acts that we're doing, if what we're doing is the action as a sacrifice, so I'm going into work, I've got these ups and downs and I'm doing it in, a, in this sacrifice way, it means that I have a safety valve. I have a safety valve with regard to desire, a safety valve with regard to anger, safety valve with regard to delusion. I'm participating 100% in what I'm doing. I am completely involved. So now we're coming back to a concept where actually I can see where the Western perspective of sacrifice is coming in a little bit. So I mentioned earlier on about Lent, which is more in a Jude um, Christian Judaism, Judo Christian mm. Christianity, and also Ramadan, which is more Islamic culture. Now I'm personally not belonging any of those faith, but I've met and talked to quite a few people from those faith. And from my limited understanding, there seems to be a running theme about fasting, but also at the same time, spending that as a period of reflection as well. So almost in some way, I I, I see a theme of kind of removing of uh, excess, um, a time of kind of stripping back to the bare minimum so that you can, um, as human being, we have the opportunity to really reflect going back to what we want, what our intention is, which is I kind of you know correlating to what you're saying just now, and also just thinking back as well what you what we how we started the conversation. You brought in a lot of concept of our ritual, which both Lens and Ramadan, as I know you know, are quite ritualistic because um, Lens is what forty days or meant to be forty days, but most of the time it's I think forty six days before the Easter, and Ramadan's the ninth month in the Islamic calendar according to the lunar calendar so that's something ritualistic that's like almost in a yearly cycle they go through this period of stripping back taking away the excess and also reflecting that is that maybe is that where it come from from the western perspective do you think i think you're muted i am i did that on purpose just to see what was going on okay um if I think if what we do is we do it with the idea that actually the sacrifices are with a feeling of fear and guilt, because it depends with our relationship with that thing that we have the relationship with. So do we go into the concepts of those rituals, understanding our relationship with those rituals, what they mean to us and what they mean spiritually, what they mean, or do we go into them out of habit? 
do we go into them because we're told to go into them or do we understand what we're doing within them and use them as a point of transformation which is a spiritual point of transformation to really understand the nature how we're operating outside of those rituals because i mean doing a i'm using a ritual as a transition or we're doing a ritual to really understand you know ah okay so i'm fasting all during the day I'm really understanding that, okay, actually, I didn't think I could do this, but actually I can do this. I've got the strength to do this. I can achieve and do many things. And it brings some confidence and it brings some strength. And it also, it brings some discipline. And that confidence, strength and discipline that I didn't have outside of that area suddenly becomes part of that area afterwards because I've instilled it in myself. So for me, it, Am I doing it just because I'm told to do it or I fit in or am I aware of why I'm doing something and I participate fully in doing it? And is there evolution of this practice over time as well? Because I guess if you do this every single year, do you do the same thing over and over again or do you have a change in the practice? Because I well, think we discuss a lot about this you know, both in our training and not just in a conversation in general where there should always be an evolution of things. Yeah, I mean, if I if I, if I I turn around and I, I, I ask people what they gave up for Lent and, you know, he goes, yeah, I'm going to give up cake and they give up cake. Chocolate. And <laughs> chocolate and then someone else's crisps and someone else's, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any, you know, and almost in a way, it's like they're waiting for it to end so that they can actually gorge themselves on the subject of what they're giving up rather do you see what i mean so it's like get to that that kind of point and they're like you know what i've got every flavor crisp in the house or i've got i've gone from i've got, for, I've got for almond chocolate i've got hazelnut chocolate i've got dark chocolate i've got white chocolate i've got gray chocolate i've got chocolate bunnies i've got chocolate with extra chocolate and another chocolate unicorn chocolate thing and almost in a way the the kind of the holding back doesn't become a sacrifice Okay, it actually becomes a, a holding and a suppression rather than the kind of what the basis of the ritual is for is to really understand what, you know, it, it, you know, that the idea in, a, in, a, in an Eastern context or yoga context is, is the idea of detachment without expecting any result in, in any action. Mm. So it really is, you're not expecting, it, it, you're just like, yeah, this is my relationship with chocolate. And you're understanding your relationship with chocolate and you're seeing actually how you use it to give yourself a lift in the afternoon, You're how you're using it late at night, how you're kind of like, oh, I'll just treat myself because I deserve to treat myself. And you're noticing all the different triggers underneath the whole thing. And you're beginning to understand that actually, really, is this who I am? And so really a sacrifice is to really understand a lot more about who you are. And from an Eastern perspective, it's to do with devotion and it's to do with a detachment from expecting any result in any action that you're doing. And it's a pillar. It's, it's, a, it's a pillar along with your personal evolution, your practice every day in your life, and also the concept of giving. So it fits with these other three pillars really, really well. Mm. So now I'm wondering where whether this concept of almost suppression or repression, almost to a sense to a level that this uh, sense of self-punishing, 
comes from sometimes in in when we think about um sacrifice in at least in, at least in in the concept that i understand where kind of like continuing the theme of easter and lens where the concept of shelf tuesday comes along where i think sometimes some people really indulge themselves in preparation for the fast or for for the for the things that they're giving up for 46 days or 40 days and as you said when they come out of it they kind of gauge themselves again which i have met people who are like that so there's a sense of almost like the self-deprivation which in a way is self-punishing so where where would that come from it's a very interesting pattern because a lot of people do it you know, a lot of people, I spoke to someone, an amazing person today who's negotiating something. And, you know, it's like you've got a piece of cake and what happens is that with that big piece of cake, you've got to cut that piece of cake into 10 pieces. And what they do is they say, well, you know, there's supposed to be 10 equal pieces in this cake, but I'll take the smallest piece so that there's more for everyone else. So I'll sacrifice my piece for other people. Because I'm a good person. I'm a really good person. And I want everyone to see how a good person I am. And so I sacrifice my bit of cake. And I then get kind of a bit concerned because people don't, they scoff all the rest of the cake. And they don't ask if I'm okay and I want another bit. Or, you know, would they share some with me? There seems to be this very strange mentality. And it's not just, I'm not just talking about cake. I'm talking about behavior in lots of different ways. You know, there's this kind of this weirdness around this. Just so you know, that's usually me. I usually take the smallest piece of cake, the smallest size slice of cake. But mm-hmm. as you know, that's because I don't oh, like yeah. cake. But you also <laughs> do know that that means there's more for the rest of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's, again, we're coming back to the concept of being recognized to be good, the recognition of, of being seen as a good person and being in some way... I don't know, it's enhancement, the right word, enhancement of how you've been perceived in the relationship with other people. You can you can feel like you're better in some way. So being a good person, and again, there's a link spiritually, because again, there's a set of framework or rules to say that I'm a good spiritual person if I behave in this way, if I do this, if I, if I let's give Stanford just a little more cake, I'm a good person. If I... You know, so are there rules that are unconsciously written within our society? So there's an under framework of patterning of bias that we don't actually recognize at all. So it is an extreme bias of behavior that we can't even call ourselves out on. It's so deeply programmed within us that makes us behave in this way. I think in some way the difference is between what is viewed as good in 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 the culture or the community setting versus if you're truly connected to within yourself, which is quite individual concept. It's a very individual. It can be very different and unique between yourself and another person, another being. Uh, is that kind of along the right line? I, yeah, I, I believe, but I also believe that there's within a, a lot of the actions that we're doing. I, I really think that within all of those actions, 
where do, where does a lot you know that we've got some ancestral programming within us that you know makes us behave in a particular way you know why do you behave in the way that you behave why do i behave in the way that i behave you know when i was introduced to Jessica chart i was told i'm please meet colin he's the most religious person you'll ever meet and i was like religious i'm not religious but then I had to understand the concept of what religion was and actually understand how it was. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm religious. I get it. And you're happy that you're religious. Very. Um, can I ask about the fire ritual? Because fire in the concept of Ayurveda and yoga is quite it's about transformation. And that seems to play a lot of roles in transition in rituals and almost in the concept of sacrifice in the in the eastern sense can you tell me about more about that with regard to the concept of priests having fires and keeping fires burning but also fires that were kept burning in each house as well so fires represent lots of different things and they represent the light that is with inside of us and also with fire it's very interesting because you can pass a fire on from one entity to another entity. So there is this light within us that can be passed on from one entity to another entity as well. So fires are symbolic of not just the light that was within us, but also the, they're symbolic with regard to the fact that they can transform something that is unpalatable to something that is palatable. They can transform something that we couldn't perceive and we couldn't see, but now we can see. So the whole aspect of fire is to transform something. It moves it from one entity or one format to another format, whether that be physical with regard to food or with regard to, um, you know, preparing some ground or with regard to heating something up. It, all the way through to mental with regard to actual this idea of strong fire mental activity to actually transform us mentally to something very spiritual so in fact it, it's at every different level whether it's a physical level whether it's a mental level an emotional level or a spiritual level the fire means something different but it's all about the concept of transformation and there was a tradition of keeping a fire alive in each house so there was a light that was kept burning all the time and, and there was jobs of people just to keep this fire going and this fire going and this fire going so this is why fire is very central to rituals and if you look at numbers of different rituals they'll have all different aspects to them they'll use water with regard to liquids of tasting things of putting sprinkling water on things you find this in lots of traditions you also find with regard to the use of smell so burning of incense the burning of of um sort of you know, strong sort of, you know, this this sort of burning of very strong things like, like juniper and things, you know, very, very strong senses. So they'll burn things um, and that transforms it, takes it from one element to another element, but the smell becomes very important. It's for the taste. And then you've then got this idea of, sorry, it's not for the taste, it's for the smell, is for actually for this concept of earth so then you've got um these ideas of images in lots of different ways as well so the fire becomes very important as part of an image too mm. so this is just some areas that 
fire has become very important with. And if we look at all the rituals that we create, often we create rituals with movement, okay, which represents air. They're in a they're they're expansive. There's a change in time and space with them, so they're contained within a particular time and space. Um, we will then use water. We will use fire. We'll use different sounds and different elements with that as well to bring everything together. Mm. Uh, I find it very fascinating because in Taoism, so in, in Chinese Taoism, fire is a very important element as well. So as you said, there's always a fire in in like in the Taoist practitioner or their home where you use the fire to kind of like in the alchem alchemy sense that you create medicine back in those days and you take those medicine in order to prolong your health to achieve certain abilities so on and so forth but they also this is called something called why dances like uh, medicine outside the body um but also they have a concept where you do this with an internal fire so your body itself becomes like a container for this fire and you use this fire that is operated by chi kind of that life energy forces or the breath that you take inside the body or different energy forces inside the body in order to create this kind of healing property or magical property within to have these ability so i find that correlation very interesting but the reason why I'm kind of bringing this up as well is because there's uh, in, a, in a religious sense or at least in Taoism there's often certain have rules or concepts about abstaining from sexual intercourse or sexual activity, which is quite common in religion, in the religion's belief as well, because I think certain part of Buddhism have that, certain part of Christianity may have that. Um, as a religious man yourself, is there, is there a specific reason why kind of sexual activity often is included in the sacrificial sense in religion at least? I don't know, but I like your question. And I... What I do like is I like what you just said with regard to fire and internal fire within the body, because a lot of the practices that are done within yoga are all around the use of fire, um, internal fire within the body, and how one maintains an internal fire and how also one regulates and compresses that fire into the center of one's body. So rather than the fire spreading around, it's, it's associated with and, and there's a reference to it in Yoga Sutra 329, actually, with regard to this, about how we work with Nabi, the, this idea of the navel. And Na, within Nabi, Na represents fire. It represents fire, Agni. Abhi, that which is intimate. So Abhi, like Abhyasa, sort of an intimate practice for the self. Abhi is something that's intimate. Nabi is an intimate fire within you. And so when we're starting to look at fire, we're looking at how people use fire. You, most people, many people associate the heart as the most important region. But according to the Upanishads and according to some of the yoga texts, it's actually the nabi, it's the navel. If you look at some of the religious sort of images within India, you've got Vishnu and you've got Brahma coming out of the navel. So it, it's... Some people say the heart is very important, but actually the navel is hugely important because it's the link from each ancestor to each ancestor. And there is a fire that's passed from each ancestor to each ancestor through the navel. So, in fact, your navel as the fire, this symbolic fire has come from your mother, passed to you through your navel. So 
in one way, when we look at fire, when we're looking at rituals, it's to understand, deeply understand these ideas, deeply understand the context of who we are, how we've come to be, what's special about us as human beings, what binds us together, what holds us together. Where's the link between us? Where do we come from? Where, you know, what are we here to do? Why are we here? And so the concepts of rituals and sacrifices are all to understand these principles, to understand, you know, this link and this light that goes from person to person to person, to understand that actually the navel is it's equally as important as the heart. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's it, it, it's interesting. Um, and, and the idea of, of, and if you think about the, Rig Veda, um, which is a, the Rig Veda is, a, is kind of like one of the oldest texts. The first sentence is, I surrender to the fire who is an old well-wisher. You know, so it means that what's happening is that we've, fire is a hugely important part of most rituals because it transforms. Does that make any sense? Yes, I'm, I think my mind's just taking myself into a tangent where sometimes we ask, where's the fire in the relationship as well? Kind of, what's the transform, transforming part of the relationship when we have it with other people and maybe when we have it with ourselves? Maybe that's a, I don't know, more than slang for that effect. I don't know if I'm making too much of a association. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's also, you know, this this idea of fire, like we said, it is we have an ancient fire in our, in our homes that can never be switched off even at night. And and when you cook, you're just looking to increase it a little, a little. And when fire is switched off, life is finished. You know, it's the same metaphor as the digestive system. So actually by having the fire in the home, is the same metaphor as having the fire in the digestive system. So you always keep the fire just going a little. And like within the home, you keep the fire going just a little. So that what's happening is there is this life that happens. Because when you extinguish both, there is no more life. So this is the kind of metaphor that we're looking at. And when you feed a fire, you feed the fire with something that's actually beneficial. So within fire rituals, you use stuff that is beneficial for the fire that doesn't put the fire out so it's not dull. Mm -hmm. So trying to think more about this concept of sacrifice and how it's linked to our high consciousness. How I think I'm getting more and more clear about what you mean from the from the beginning, where where we are operating in the world using different ritual and using different points of transition, so that we are understanding how we connected or how how we're actually not just in the materialistic world, but actually operating fire from sorry, operating from my consciousness. Sorry, not being clear anymore. And fire is the important elements in the transformation as well, because it can it forms many parts of these rituals, and how these are very different concepts to the Western understanding of sacrifice, which is usually giving up or removal of certain joy, or giving up certain products or objects of values or you know habits of values 
in order to achieve something else, sometimes in other people, sometimes in yourself, but often it's a recognition that you get in the society. I'm just trying to see if that what other questions I may have, or do you have any questions for me? No, I firstly I wanted to apologize to you for my poor explanation at the beginning, because it, it's, you know, when you blurt a statement out to say, you know, it, it's how do you describe something that, you know, we, we've got often, we we confuse our desire, wants and our attachments and You know, we, we, we have a fear, we have a need for something. And quite often a sacrifice on a material level is almost a superficial sacrifice. It, it, it creates a knock-on effect in a particular way. And, I mean, is all of this set up? Is a question. Is all this set up? So actually, really what we're talking about is the idea of of, of just being able to compensate and be able to compromise and deal with everyday life and we're using this as an excuse in order to do that to say well there is something higher and you know and you will achieve it if you you know enjoy your life and you know you're doing it for a bigger purpose is it way uh, is it a way of managing society and managing our role within society if we do this do you, does that question make sense Yes, but I guess the it will always be part of the process where there will be some doubts because even though you 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 truly believe and you are experiencing be, the sense of being held as we discussed earlier on, as, as time goes, as situation changes, as relationship develops and evolves, there will always be some doubts along the way where oh, am I still doing the right thing? Is this still the right thing? Is this still the thing that's holding me or? has it changed because i guess the other question will be the thing that holds you does it always hold you in a certain way is that always meant to be the thing that you do always in your lifetime or would that change because of situation change time moves on relationship evolves yeah everything does change and the question is what does hold us at every different level what holds us within our lives what holds us within society what holds us within relationships and it's the similar thing but it's slightly transformed within each area i i pose the question to you because in one way what if we don't believe in something higher you know is it possible to if we don't believe in something higher if we if we don't believe in a higher power if we don't believe in an absolute if we don't believe in something spiritual does it mean that the sacrifices that we're doing every day in order to get recognition, is there an imbalance within us because we're doing that? Hmm. I guess my question would be, what would they believe if there's not a higher being or spiritual concept? What, what, what is the belief? Is there, is, there, is there a lack of belief or is there a belief into something that perhaps I personally may not agree with? I think that will be my question. Well, why are we actually sacrificing? Or is there a need to sacrifice? And is that the reason why the concept of sacrifice is outdated? Because there is no belief. Because if I have sacrifice with belief, then what I have is I have I have the mechanism to deal with 
myself as a human being to mm. keep myself in check. Whereas if I have it without belief, sacrifice without belief, is it, it, it? I mean, could we get sort of some serious psychological disorders based on this? Like, yeah, I'm giving everything up for you. I'm doing, you know, so do we get some personality disorders associated with this type of behavior? Yes. If nothing else, there will often be a dysfunction within the relationship, which mm. then will manifest in many different ways that affects the mental health. Mm. I, I liked it when you talked about food and I like the, 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 this kind of the, the Japanese food and this Japanese idea. And I also like it within sort of Western tradition originally, because when you, when you have food, when you, when you make food, the, and you put this food together, you're, you're cooking the food only for something higher. Mm. So you're actually doing it as an offering to eat. And so we you're cooking it for that thing you're offering something to it you're also consuming some of it yourself which will form part of you and you're leaving some of it for something else mm. so in one way it gives moderation in another way it gives respect with regard to where the foods come from in another way it makes you consider what you're actually eating and valuing what you're eating um so there's a real kind of consideration process around this and maybe that consideration process, whether you believed or didn't believe in something higher, you know, if you replace the concept of, you know, something higher, you're sacrificing something higher, but actually looking at it as a way of reflecting on the relationships that you've got and where you fit into the world and how you fit, I think could be a more modern way of looking at it. Yes, but I think it's on, on the other hand, to be aware of is maybe also the concept just like eating has transformed in the modern days where i mean i have some quite spiritual and religious experience with in terms of eating and cooking while i was in japan but also at the same time it's so convenient nowadays you can get a lot of food that is wrapped in plastic packages that is very highly processed and harmed by a lot of different favoring or coloring and things like that where almost in some way the the the, the almost the experience of spirituality or the offering and the sharing and uh, leaving something behind in consideration and moderation it's very hard to experience just because the the concept of eating and food has actually evolved and modified quite a lot since then so i think that's the other part of it where you talk about do we still believe in in what we're sacrificing also on may almost uh, sorry almost do we believe in the action that we're doing, including eating and cooking and preparing, preparing and sharing? Um, maybe that is that a good question to ask? You are muted again. No, I'm not. <laughs> you keep testing me. <laughs> I keep going on and off mute for fun. Um, it, it... So sacrifice as a protection, but also as a method to get an ultimate harmony with ourselves and the world. It leads me to a line from the Bhagavad Gita. Um, 
chapter 11, verse 40, you, you are the air, the fire, the water, and also the moon. You are the absolute master and forefather. Thousand times again and again, I offer you my sacrifice and my respect. And then there was a story within Indian tradition called the churning of the ocean of milk. And um, Brahma in this story says, without a sacrifice, yagna, nothing can be obtained. To create a new world, because Brahma is the creator, to create a new world, what shall I sacrifice? So even there, what it's saying is that even as a god, sacrifice becomes very important in order for something to be created. So it gives the process of sacrifice. And Mahatma Gandhi said that violence is caused by seven mistakes. Wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, commerce without morality, politics without principles, knowledge without character, science without humanity, and worship without sacrifice. Very, very wise word, and I don't think we could have ended any better than Gandhi's word. Thank, thank you so much for this evening, Stanford. Thank you for your really, really lovely questions. Um, please accept my apology for explaining sacrifice from an Eastern perspective so poorly. And I hope that we've just got a little more interest in the subject matter. And mm. it isn't out of date. It's very much really relevant. Not at all. I was just about to thank for all your wisdoms and all your amazing explanation. And sorry, yeah, please accept yeah, my apologies about all my questions tonight. Rather no, than no, no, no. I keep asking questions. No, it's brilliant. I, I, I'm so sorry for my, my poor answers because there's many more things to say about all of the different aspects of fire, all the different aspects of all these different things. In fact, we could probably, yeah, have a conversation about fire ritual, actually. That might be good. Well, good thank you. Yes. See you next time. Look forward to it. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye.